The following is a production of the Speedsport Podcast Network. Welcome to the iRacers download, a very first episode. I'm your host, Taylor Burris, and joining me is my co-host, Justin Prince, and our producer, Wayne Owens, twisting the dials to make sure we sound good. And Justin, we have a great show to talk about. We have the winner at Homestead Miami Speedway for the E-NASCAR Coca-Cola iRacing Series, driver of the number 32 VRS Toyota for 2311 Racing, Keegan Leahy joining us tonight. Yes, indeed. And of course, Keegan Leahy, a very talented driver as seen in the past couple seasons in particular, known for being one of the kings of long run pace in the E-NASCAR Coca-Cola iRacing Series. And one of the main key points, too, is he usually is somebody that goes back and forth with drivers like Bobby Zelensky in the wins total. For him, Taylor, it was a lot of excitement, to say the very least, at Homestead. It's going to be a great show this week, to say the very least. It certainly is. Well, why don't we get him up here? In here, We'll go ahead and get things ready. And Keegan, welcome to the show tonight. First and foremost, congratulations on your win at Homestead Miami Speedway. And of course, a great debut once again for your second season with Denny Hamlin Racing. Of course, now switched over to 2311 Racing for the 2021 seasons. Your thoughts and about winning at Homestead and getting that first win for 2311. Hey guys, thanks for the invite. Pleasure to be here. So yeah, I'm really happy to get that one out of the way because um, as you can probably imagine, it's pretty stressful starting a new season with a new new team, you know, same owner. But um, yeah, it's, it's a really big relief, especially this year where you get your win and it's a win in your end situation basically for the final 10 playoff spots. So, yeah, I'm, I'm happy to get that out of the way. And it was probably my least expected win of my career as well because, uh, well, you bring up the long run pace, that's about all we had <laughs> last last Tuesday. Um, and we're not quite sure why, but, you know, that long run pace pretty much uh, kept us up there and qualifying was very good too. It certainly was. But, Keegan, one of the things we wanted to start off with with this interview is how did you get involved with sim racing and esports in general, first and foremost? You know, people always ask and wonder, how do you get involved and get started with it? Well, going way back, uh, my first real interest in sim racing, or I'm not sure if you could call it sim racing back then, was just playing on the original Xbox uh, Forza Motorsport with a controller. And I just loved tuning on the cars, um, making my own cars and you know, making drift cars, making paint schemes. You know, that, that's what I enjoyed most was the tinkering part and getting really into it. Um, and that kind of grew into me just uh, taking Forza Motorsport really competitively and also trying to make make myself have my own identity by you know if you played forza you know you could build the cars and put in the performance pieces you wanted into it you could really make the car your own um so that's what i really like a lot and eventually uh, i kind of wanted to take the step into iRacing, not only because they have a really good nascar platform but also because they're clearly the most realistic simulator you can go for so that's what attracted me and uh, I didn't realize until I got in, but they also have a very robust setup building uh, interface and system. So uh, that's what I really loved getting into is tinkering on the cars and, and again, making my personality known and uh, my identity of being a setup builder uh, quickly became my reputation. 
on iRacing, of course, you mentioned getting into that side of things. What was it like when you started off on iRacing to try and carry that over for the tinkering to the service? Yeah, so that was back in 2013, um, the end of 2013. And it took me a few months to really get used to the service because it's nothing like Forza, especially not on a controller um, uh, when I was playing Forza. But uh, the force feedback's really different from what I was used to. Um, you know, I I came to realize that different feeling was just realism. Uh, it's, it's way harder than uh, any console games. So, uh, but the difficulty is what attracted me again, because I wanted it to be a really high skill cap game that I could really work towards and have clear progress. And yeah, that Tinkering and stuff didn't really come into it until maybe a year or two later when I started getting really serious into the NASCAR side of things. So back then you had pretty much uh, A Open was the biggest series that I wanted to race in at the time. So doing um, Class A Open, which is the NASCAR Cup car, um, where you had to make your own setups. So I took it upon myself to... Uh, me, me and my setup group, we would work on these setups before each race week. And, you know, we didn't want to try to get help from other groups or anything. We, we just wanted to plug at it and plug away at it and try to come up with our own solutions to how to make the best setup. And of course, how to drive as optimally as possible. So uh, the challenge was the most fun part for me back then, not just the racing trying the challenge of trying to get better and, and learn. Who were some of those people who helped teach you in the early going and how big has it had an impact on your career since then, of course? Well, really ironically, it's a lot of people that I'm still interacting and working with. So my first team, this was way back, but um, it was it was with Zach Hudson. It was called, called Nexus. And I didn't spend too much time on that team, but it was my first real experience working with other other members. Um, I didn't end up gelling with that with that group too much, so it was only a month or two, or a few months maybe. But I ended up getting on with uh, Matt Bontempi and a few of the few of the um, excuse me, a few of the Coke Series drivers from back then, uh, Andrew Fayash, David Rattler and a few other guys that were involved. And I'm still talking with Andrew Fayash, who is now the spotter for Bobby Zelensky. And my spotter is Matt Bontempi right now. So that's the same guy that I was working with way back then, six years ago now. Um, we spent some time not working together, but things come full circle, I guess. And, and now that's who I'm working with again. Now to jump on with Matt, I talked with him prior to that race at Homestead, and he was very happy, Keegan, to connect with you again for that side, to have him back on the box and was happy for the opportunity. How big was it to have him back on your box for that race at Homestead to be able to come away with that win? Yeah, well, we were always really good friends. We actually spent some time together. Um, we, we had a fun little few weeks, a couple of weeks last summer where uh, we made a deal. I would fly to his place and spend some time in Pennsylvania and New York 
for a week and then he would fly actually I got that backwards um first he flew to Halifax to hang out with me and then when he flew home I just tagged along for the ride and uh we spent some time in New York and Pennsylvania so um yeah we have a personal relationship and we're friends and although our professional relationship had a bit of a pause there for a couple of years um we're starting that back up again but it's like riding a horse when you're why did I say it like that? Scratch that, please. It's like riding a bike because um, I don't know how to ride a horse, I don't think. But yeah, so it's like riding a bike where uh, you get used to the mannerisms and just the tendencies of another person, how they interact with you and how you can interact with them. And it was no problem doing my first race with him because uh, we already had such such great chemistry and communication. Well, with that thought on mind, you know, regarding the progress that you've worked hard and made through, what is it like with preparation to get ready for one of these Coke races? You know, we see people in NASCAR before, of course, COVID, you know, practice, having to go through multiple different testing simulators, just making sure that they have the right car to take to a said track for that week. With esports, of course, you can do it all straight from home with work as far as making the correct adjustments. But for those of you people who are wanting to learn more about what it takes for an esports team and esports drivers to prepare for just one race in the season for the eNASCAR Coca-Cola iRacing Series, Keegan, what do you have to do to prepare? Yeah, so I can give you I can give you the numbers. So we actually log all of our telemetry and all of our statistics in with virtual racing schools uh, telemetry interface. So uh, that logged all my laps and I had 1500 laps of preparation time. That's just, you know, doing a run, making adjustments, doing another run <laughs> for 1500 laps. So that is 12 race distances of preparation and that doesn't even take into the into the time that it takes to make the adjustments and do the analysis and see what i need to try next so there's a lot of time that goes into it i would estimate it was about 20 hours for me to prepare for this race um which isn't too bad over a two-week period since daytona you know 10 hours a week isn't too bad um it's a real fine balance between putting in the time to prepare and avoiding burnout because it's not easy to sit at your rig and just grind out the hours and try to make incremental progress, right? It's, it's very small improvements that we're making. And you see how close the Coke field is, right? It's, it's only hundredths between, between the drivers, not even tenths. So um, any little advantage you can have really shows up big on race day. And that 1500 laps number that I quoted, that isn't even close to what a big number can be because, uh, my, my teammate, Chris Shearburn, I hope he doesn't mind me saying this, but his lap number was 3,000, 3,000 laps of practice and preparation before the race. Wow. that I mean, that's incredible. And it also shows that you're dedicated to what you need to do in order to be competitive for each and every round of the NASCAR Coca-Cola iRacing Series, but also showing that you even said yourself, you don't want to burn yourself out with that. So how do you balance, you know, making sure that you are prepared for each week, but also, like you said, not get burned out or always, you know, 
taking care of your other matters and responsibilities. Yeah. Um, well, I do have other responsibilities, of course, um, especially the last couple of years because uh, I just graduated recently, but I had to balance school time as well. Um, but right now, my other responsibility is mostly just working at virtual racing school, doing the content for them. So the balance, you know, it's it's not really a time commitment thing. It's just the fact that it's it's so mentally taxing to put the time in for to prepare efficiently. Um, but that word, I think, is the key is efficiency, because if you're just grinding out the hours for the sake of it and doing the same thing over and over, you're not going to make progress and it's going to just kill your motivation. Right. So, um you know, it's a work smart, not work. It's a work smart, not hard type of mentality. And if, <laughs> I know a lot of people um, can put even higher lap numbers in than, than I can or higher hours count and not make the same sort of progress. So I think that's an equally big part of the equation is uh, spending your time wisely. Of course, that is going to be something to consider. And you know, also, if we take a look back at last season, you know, you won at Daytona in the 2019 or the 2020 season, but also, you know, following in the footsteps of one of your team owners, Denny Hamlin, what is it like working with him as far as does he help you out with certain points to, for certain tracks or certain responsibilities that you can help with to help improve your driving skills or ways to build upon to grow your brand as yourself with Keegan Leahy on the virtual world when it comes to esports and e-racing? All right, I'll tell you a little little something I haven't really brought up before. So um, for qualifying, it's not just go out and do a lap. You have to kind of make sure you're at the right speed to start the lap and uh, have the right sort of tire preparation. So if you go out on cold tires, it's just going to be slow. So you have to come out of pits a certain way. You need to get up to speed a certain way. And uh, any little advantage you can find in that situation can make the difference between starting 20th and starting first. Um, and we were missing that for the first few weeks of last year. We couldn't figure out how these guys were beating us. And it wasn't me that figured it out. It wasn't uh, it wasn't Chris or Bobby or Mitchell or um, anyone on our group. It was actually Denny preparing for the pro invitational stuff, um, who who helped me out and and had the light bulb moment. Realized how to gain a little bit of time just in the tire preparation stuff. So I don't mind saying that now because it's kind of common knowledge how to how to warm your tires up now, but. That was a novelty back then and something I hadn't even considered. So it was really cool that not only does he act as a really good, you know, marketing, uh, marketing help and, and, uh, and someone, someone that can help me, uh, improve my social media reach and that sort of thing, but he's genuinely helping with, uh, with the professional side of it too. And he probably led to some of my, Good, good results last year overall how would you describe the environment for 2311 racing especially now that you have mitchell Dion as your teammate for the nascar coca-cola i racing series aligning things on the technical side as well 
Yeah, you touch on that, and it, it's even bigger than it sounds because being able to work together and trusting somebody with uh, setup knowledge, which is like it's that's a huge commodity, is not only just the setup itself, but also just the knowledge of how we build setups and uh, how we prepare for races. So being able to share that with my teammate, uh, which wasn't the case uh, in previous years with me, um, that just kind of builds the trust. And I genuinely really want to work with Mitchell and make sure not only I get the good results in races, but he does as well. So that team chemistry is super important. It's going to lead to some nice double double results, you know, hopefully some one twos maybe this year. Um, but yeah, we'll work together really well on, on and off track to, uh, to have these good results. But besides that, the team environment at 2311 is, is really nice, even better than last year with, uh, with Denny's group, because there's some new guys involved that are very interested in, in seeing the, the esports side of 2311 be successful. So, you know, I got some, some, uh, encouraging words from Denny this week from the 2311 president, uh, Steve, um, I'm going to mess up his last name, Steve Lilaluda. And uh, he actually even informed me that um, Michael Jordan himself reacted positively to my win on Tuesday. So uh, that's a, that's a huge, um, huge boost of self-confidence and it's pretty cool. Feel a bit starstruck with that one. But um, yeah, so the the group's really cool, and 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 I'm excited to be a part of it. And it's really nice feeling the support from a lot of different guys too. And we're all in it together, and we all want the same thing. Well, let's hold on that thought because I would like to talk a little bit more about that opportunity that you're having there. But when we come back, we will talk more with Keegan Leahy, winner of round number two of the E NASCAR Coca Cola I Racing Series. This is the iRacers download on the Speed Sport Podcast Network and NASCAR Digital Media. Welcome back to the iRacers download. We are here talking with Keegan Leahy. More a lot of interesting things about regarding his role at the Denny Hamlin Racing or 2311 Racing currently for the 2021 season, but... Keegan, you know, outside of sim racing and working with VRH, which we'll touch on a little bit later on, is you have some other opportunities that you've worked and able to accomplish here recently. Why don't you tell us a little bit more about that? Yeah, well, I'm really happy to have graduated recently, actually, with uh, a degree I've been working on for quite a while, off and on. I took a little break in between. That's another story. But um, yeah, I graduated uh, with a meteorology diploma and a Bachelor of Science uh, at Dalhousie University. So um, basically, whenever whenever I might hang up my helmet, my virtual helmet, um, I'm going to jump into a meteorology career. So hoping to get in with Environment Canada and be an operational forecaster with them. I mean, that's something, you know, when people think, you know, when people, when you say, hey, you're a sim racer, you think that's what people you do mostly is be a sim racer and are always on computer. But you decided to take it to another level to be prepared for another career opportunity for yourself. You know, when you, like you said, decided to hang up that e-helmet to move on to another opportunity. And by far, that's one of the most coolest things I've ever heard A meteorology. I mean... Justin, our producer, Wayne, and myself are also big fans when it comes to weather and everything. But one of the things also that we would like to talk about is, you know, 
what is that interest for meteorology that makes you uh, wanted to pursue that career? Yeah, it's, it's probably completely different from sim racing, really, um, you think about it. But um, I don't know what's up with that because there's such a big overlap in the sim racing community and meteorology interest for some reason. I've met a lot of people who are very interested in storm chasing and even a few who are doing pretty much the same career path as me uh, with the meteorology studies. But uh, I first got interested in meteorology when a hurricane hit me. Yeah, hurricanes hit Canada. Um, but we, we got Hurricane Juan in 2003. And I just vividly remember opening my door the morning after and the forest was gone. I'm like, oh my gosh, like, how does this happen? How, do, how is there a force of nature that can completely change my landscape and, uh, and cause this? And before that leading up, my parents were having a look at the National Hurricane Center track cone back in the day. Um, not much has changed since then. The website looks the same. <laughs> Uh, and, um, I kind of realized, wow, it looks like we can predict this stuff, at least within a reasonable range of confidence. Maybe I should look into this. And I started getting really interested and moved up from just looking at the weather network to, uh, or the weather channel would be the, uh, be the equivalent in, in the States, um, to, going on the National Hurricane Center site, even reading their discussions back when I was 12 years old, I was reading uh, official press releases from the Hurricane Center and um, eventually looking up weather models and using stuff like the, the GFS um, by the National Weather Service uh, and NOAA and even the Canadian models uh, to to see upcoming storms and try to make my own sort of forecasts and get a feel for that. So it, it's a it turned in from a hob, from an interest to a hobby to a potential career path. I, I gotta say that's quite phenomenal, and you know, learn, learning that other people also are interested on the iRacing community makes it even more interesting to see how things go for them. Um, one other thing that we wanted to talk touch base on is your sponsor that you currently have with your number 32 is the VRS. Tell us a little bit more about the virtual racing school, what you do and what's involved with it. Yeah, there's a lot involved with it really. Um, first of all, I got to say the owner, Peter Dimov, I have no idea how he does what he does. He puts an incredible amount of personal time and investment into the project. And I don't know how I get it off the ground, uh, let alone got it to how successful it's been. But I've got to see, uh, even in my short time with them over the past couple of years, I've seen the seen the service grow so much. Um, what we do is we offer, uh, how I like to call it is it's a benchmarking platform. So back when I first started iRacing, I wanted to know, to know what the fastest guys were doing. And that was really hard to do. So, you know, a couple of times I would have uh, asked some people that I knew. Um, Taylor Hurst was one of them, who who's now a competitor of mine in the Coke series. Um, I, I just asked him, hey, just send me a replay. Send me a replay. I want to see what you're doing. I, I got to gotta learn off of this and improve myself. Um, and that's what VRS is. So you can log on. Uh, you can look at our onboard videos. You can look at our uh telemetry you can use the setups that we post you know everything 
it, everything is identical, even down to the track conditions. You know exactly what we're doing uh, with with our with our race runs that we post on there. And you can drive and you can compare your telemetry to ours with telemetry overlays. And that's all just like such a such a cool tool that you can take advantage of to quickly learn. And there's no there's no mystery. You know exactly what the pros are doing and you know where you might be losing time and where you can work on that. Um, besides that, we have some other services. Uh, we got like hardware now. I'm using the VRS Direct Force Pro steering wheel and we got pedals coming out very soon and a lot of people really like our setups as well so just being able to grab a setup practice with it and do some races without having to worry too much about being off pace it's the first time i've heard the phrase for the benchmarks used for vrs what are some of the stories you've heard from some of the users from your experiences on that to be able to learn from your benchmarks? Oh yeah, they love it. It's it's really hard to um, make maximum use of it, but even just dipping your toes in a little bit and just saying, okay, these are the track conditions. These are the lap times. Let me just click this button to load into iRacing and I'll do a 30 lap run just like Keegan did, just like Bobby did, just like Josh Rogers did in Porsche or something. And just see what your lap times look like and see where you might be losing some time in which corners. Um, so, you know, you can, you can go as deep into it as you want, or you can just look at the lap times and see what the difference is. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I've, I've heard a lot of really positive stories and especially like some of the guys I've worked with in coaching, it's really fulfilling and it makes me happy to see people make such big progress. Um, guys that go from, you know, being multiple tenths of a second, a lap off pace to being able to run in the road to pro series and having a realistic shot of getting into, into Coke. It's really cool seeing that progress and feels good being a part of it. What is your favorite story when it comes to being able to work with, these drivers overall what's your favorite moment um i'd say my favorite moment was the guy that i worked with who had just started iRacing a few months ago and his goal was just to be able to compete in his league and he put in the time and dedication not just to work on the setups but also his own driving and uh he made no excuses. He knew it was him. He knew it was his skills that he had to build up, and he didn't blame it on anything else. It was um, he just plugged away at it, and he ended up uh, going from you know struggling to compete to winning his league championship in just a few months, just with hard work and dedication. So I thought that was really amazing. I like I personally wouldn't have made that quick progress, and the fact that he did was pretty amazing. And not to mention. The dude's in his 50s, I'm pretty sure. So it's pretty cool that uh, he he jumped in and uh, made that grind and really worked on self-improvement. Of course, a lot has changed over the years with iRacing and having the virtual racing school is a big part of the development since it's been around as really a part of the main culture of iRacing and the ability for drivers to learn up and coming for the past few years or so. In your opinion, how much has iRacing progressed across the service? Wow, how much have they pro- 
Uh, can you can you explain the question a bit more, Justin? Uh, how, how much, you... in your opinion, has iRacing changed from when you started now to where it is now, from where you began to where it is now? Well, when I first started, it seemed like there's a lot of people that didn't know what they were doing. Um, and that's the beauty of it. Like, it's really cool being in the Wild West when, when everything was possible, you know. You don't know when, you know, the high line's going to work at this track or the, the low line or, hey, should I cut the apron here on the trioval? Is that a thing? Like, does that work? Maybe I should try it. Um, and you can come up with these huge innovations. And, you know, as time's progressed, everyone's gotten so much better. Uh, the cumulative knowledge of everybody has gotten so much more. And access to knowledge, you know, like VRS, like we've talked about, and um, and all the other resources to get better, uh, people have just gotten so much better over time. And but even then, innovations come up, and especially with how iRacing's builds change and the physics change and stuff, you know, you, you come up with you can come up with innovations still. So there's always that diamond in the rough where. Uh, there might be something someone's missed and uh and he could pounce on that and you know that kind of shows even these first two races um my my working organization the guys that all work together uh on setups in the coke series the four of us have qualified in the top four the, the first two races so you know there's little advantages to find still well, Keegan, as we look ahead to the rest of the 2021 season for you, you know, we have a lot of different new tracks on the schedule, as well as a lot of different things that have changed compared to what we saw last season. Like you said, you're guaranteed a spot into the playoffs with your win. We didn't see that happen last season, of course, but your thoughts on the season ahead, as well as the different challenges that you possibly could face, as well as what you're pr trying to accomplish since you have that buffer with that win for the playoffs. Yeah, so right now, um, I'm pretty much locked in. As long as I don't fall out of the top 20 in owner or in driver points before the playoffs start, then I'll be in the final 10, likely, or the 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 10 round of 10. So my main two goals right now is to get more wins and make progress towards winning the team championship. So that's my two goals right now. Um, you know, another goal would be getting Mitchell also in the playoffs, but I have a feeling that won't be a problem when we get to the road courses. So, uh, yeah, the, those are my goals and the challenges start in the playoffs. So there's some difficult tracks in that luckily not a road course, but, um, a few of the tracks are pretty difficult and assuming we go to Texas, you know, that's subject to change, uh, I think, but, the plan right now is to go to Texas for the for the final race, and that's not a track I have a lot of experience on. You know, we we went there in the playoffs last year, but I never really felt very comfortable at that track, like how to race it. Um, and it's a very low line dependent track where you really have to block the low lane and stuff. So that'll be a really interesting championship race, assuming I get there, and it'll take a lot of preparation to really feel comfortable well keegan before we let you go where can people follow you learn more about your iRacing career as well as what you do and you know watch your season progress throughout the 2021 season 
Yeah, I'm trying to get into more social media. Um, I have a bit of an Instagram that I don't use. I have a Twitch account that I don't use. <laughs> but you can get me on Twitter. Uh, it's at Keegan Leahy, and I'm pretty active on there. So um, follow along. I do little post-race debriefs pretty often. And uh, yeah, I'm happy to interact with anybody if you send me a message or whatever. Of course. Well, Keegan... Thank you for coming on the show tonight. Of course, this is Keegan Leahy, driver of the number 32 VRS Toyota for 2311 Racing in the eNASCAR Coca-Cola iRacing Series. We, we are going to take a quick break, but when we come back, we have more to discuss. This is the iRacers Download on the Speed Sports Podcast Network and NASCAR Digital Media. Welcome back to the iRacers Download. We just got done with talking with Keegan Leahy, winner at Homestead Miami for the E-NASCAR Coca-Cola iRacing Series. And Justin, great interview. I mean, Keegan seems like he's going to look forward to competing for the rest of the season. But let's talk a little bit about the race that he just won at Homestead Miami Speedway. Of course, he started on the pole position, which, by the way, great dominant performance as he claimed his ninth career victory. But there was a little bit of issues that happened at the start of the race as some drivers ran into some problems in the opening laps. Yeah, unfortunately, Bobby Zelensky, Garrett Maines, Ray Alfala, Derek Justice, Graham Bowen, Blake Reynolds, Blade Witt, and Kane Cook all suffered from difficulties throughout the race. It is an unfortunate situation for them that marred them 33rd on back in the race, Taylor. But when you put into perspective the front runners, especially Keegan Leahy and his pace, he was quick in the long run. And one of the main things Matt Bontempi had said prior to that race when I was speaking with him was, if you had a fast car on absolute rails, you can break through the dirty air. He was able to keep himself in clean air and use the dirty air to his advantage. And guess what? On the long run, he was on rails, Taylor. He certainly was. I mean, look, looking at his stats in the intervals from the race results, he led 105 laps in the 134-lap distant race at Homestead. Let, his win was over two seconds of a gap between second-place driver Ryan Luza, who had a great performance in his number four Ford, but still a you know just a dominant performance for Keegan, and that's got to be a big momentum booster as he looks forward to the future rounds next round when we go to Las Vegas. Absolutely, and the interesting mark is when I was talking with them after that race – one of the main things he noted was when it comes to his technical alliance mate, Bobby Zelensky, they normally go back and forth on the wind chart. And Bobby Zelensky, also somebody that's very quick on the mile and a half surface, circuits rather. So I'm expecting potentially Leahy and Zelensky once again to be contenders for that race. They talked about it with their qualifying pace, with Zelensky, with Dion, with Leahy. Put Shearburn into that grouping as well. They've been able to get track position each of the races so far, Taylor. I think that's going to be very critical again for Las Vegas when they go to that circuit. Certainly is, but a quick rundown of the top five for the round two at Homestead Miami Speedway. Chris Sherburn would come home in third. Garrett Lowe would come home fourth. And Taylor Hurst would round out your top five. couple of big surprises that we saw in that race. A big mover, I would say, in this round. Michael Conti, who won the season opener at Daytona, started 29th, came home with a top 10 finish. Of course, even though he won at Daytona, guaranteed a spot for the playoffs, that's still a good points booster to keep him inside that top 20 in the point standings when we get to the playoff rounds there, Justin. 
I'm really impressed, though, with what Bob Bryant was able to do in that race, Taylor, because he was able to stretch the race along with Malik Ray to one stoppers on the fuel strategy. That was something that was going to be very difficult, which required a lot of clutch and coasting. It was seen with Ray a lot earlier on in the race as well. But for Bob Bryant, he was able to actually lead 23 laps as well come away with the top 10 finish in that one, Taylor. That's a big-time performance for him and his group, to say the very least, to be able to come with a performance. Also want to give a shout-out to Zach Novak, one of his best finishes at Homestead since 2019 when he won the championship. It had been more than 500 days since his last victory, was able to lead three laps, had a quick car at top 10 previously. His best finish was in the teens at Homestead the previous two races there. Certainly was. We'll have to keep an eye and see. Of course, the next round of the E-NASCAR Coca-Cola iRacing Series kicks off on March the 2nd at Las Vegas Motor Speedway. So make sure you tune into all platforms that have the E-NASCAR Coca-Cola iRacing service, such as iRacing.com or E-NASCAR on all their streaming platforms. So make sure to tune in for that round as our very own Justin Prince will be down on pit road covering all the action. So... Justin, we have one more series to talk about, and that's the Porsche Tag Heuer Esports Super Cup by iRacing. They just are halfway through their season, I would believe, and championship battle for there is looking pretty tight as well. Absolutely, and so far it's been a competitive season, to say the very least, on that side of the garage where many of the organizations have some backers, including, don't forget, Mitchell DeYoung, who came away in the E-NASCAR Coca-Cola Racing Series race, has been a contender for the championship there, second in the points, in fact, behind Joshua K. Rogers so far on the season. But it was an interesting round when it came to the last race at Road Atlanta, where Vieresco and Simsport had some dominant speed once more. Charlie Collins came away with the sprint race, his warm-up top time, while Rogers came away with the top position in the sprint race as well as in the main race. And both of those races were throwers, to say the very least, Taylor, because Joshua K. Rogers, along with Dane Warren, Charlie Collins, the top three in the sprint race were all dominant cars. All of them had quick pace. But a throwing finish which seen several different lead changes in the final corners, including a bit of contact between Rogers and Kevin Ellis Jr. sealed the deal for Rogers to come away with the feature race victory. And of course, Josh Rogers, Justin, is a champion already for the Porsche Esports Super Cup. And we've seen that, he, that he's back in action with leading the point standings once again. So he is definitely going to be a man on a mission trying to see if he can get another championship. Yep. But he's going to have to juggle... This one, as well as the Coca E-NASCAR Coca-Cola iRacing Series, that's a big ask for him. For Mitchell Dion, absolutely. Currently, the points gap, 348 points for Joshua Rogers, entering the halfway point of the season, 259 points for Mitchell Dion, just under 100 points. Charlie Collins with 222. Kevin Ellis Jr., Dane Warren, your current top five. Separation, about 150 total points. But overall... The sprint race seen Rogers come away with the victory as talked about. Warren in second, Collins in third, Jeremy Boodaloop, and Mitchell DeYoung, the top five, with Kevin Ellis Jr. of note in sixth position. David Williams and Tommy Osgard rounding out the top eight on the sprint side. Then for the feature race, it was Joshua Rogers with the victory over Tommy Osgard. Separation ended up being by about a tenth of a second. It was side-by-side side into the final corner as well with Kevin Ellis Jr. before door-to-door -door contact, seeing Ellis Jr. shuffle to third. Maximilian Beneke, one of his strongest performances of the season, finished in fourth. Charlie Collins rounded out the top five in the feature race. It's been an exciting season so far. 
in the Porsche Tag Heuer Esports Super Cup, to say the very least. And there's a saying, time flies when you're having fun. The drivers, they've been having some fun this season in some of these battles. They certainly have, and in fact, they're getting ready to kick off round number six on Saturday, February 27th at Circuit Gilles Villeneuve in Canada, up to where you are there, Justin, and I gotta say you're looking forward to that event as well as you'll be doing camera work for that race on Saturday. Well, it's a race where it's for the first time on the schedule since 2019 where, think about it this way, it was back in the day where Mitchell DeYoung dominated the sprint race. But it was Rogers who was able to track him down in the 30-minute feature at the time to come away as the first repeat winner in series history that eventually led to the championship that campaign. It was an exciting run, to say the very least. And it's been an exciting season. I think it's going to be an exciting race with multiple passing zones and multiple hard-breaking zones that will really challenge the competitors to try and keep their cars clean in the race. Don't forget about this, though. The All-Stars have been putting on an excellent show before as well with the various social media personalities as well as some of the rear-wheel drivers who have appeared, especially with Emily Jones and her domination so far. And Marie with some great pace in the All-Stars. Yeah, Emily has been putting on a surprising great performance all season long. In fact, just saw her actually racing over in the NASCAR iRacing Series, which is one of the iRacing official series that you can compete on the iRacing service at the Daytona Road Course, and she was putting on a stellar performance against some of the Cup guys there. I think some of the drivers actually in the All-Star side as well, when you think about it this way, have some talent to be able to compete with the very best of the best of the Boyster Takeover Esports Super Cup, M- Cup. Rather, Emily Jones might be one of those drivers. It's an entertaining race weekend, to say the very least, when it comes to the one-two punch, when it comes to the Porsche Takeover Esports Super Cup. And when you combine that excitement with Montreal, it's going to be a thrilling day. The question is going to be which teams are going to be able to capitalize on track position and which teams are going to be able to stay incident-free because that's been one of the main kickers. Think to Silverstone, for example, where there was a lot of trouble, especially in Sector 1 at the start of those races. Those could be massive point swings. The difference between you contending for a championship, contending for the middle of the pack, and contending for your spot to stay permanently locked or comfortably locked I should say for the next season it certainly is and we're looking forward to seeing how the second half of the season will go for the, some of these drivers of course we're going to see if Josh Rogers or Mitchell DeJong can be come out on top or could someone surprise us but Justin it's hard to believe but we're coming to a close here for the first episode here tonight and I gotta say it's been exciting so any final thoughts before we close tonight I think it's going to be an exciting year overall when it comes to iRacing because there's a lot of big events. There's a lot of momentum when it comes to the service. And we heard a lot of the excitement when it came to Keegan Leahy on this year alone on the eNASCAR side. I think there's going to be a lot when it comes to big moments, big races, and big chances for drivers to show what they can do, whether it's in the qualifiers, whether it's in the big major events, or whether... It's across anywhere across the service. There's a lot of momentum in 2021. I can't wait to see what happens, especially when it comes to the Enascar Coco iRacing Series this season, as well as for the Poisher Tank Hoyer Esports Super Cup, whether it's at Montreal, whether it's back in the European leg, 
at Circuit to Spa-Francorchamps or whether it's in any series across the service. I can't wait to see. Me either, of course. We want to say thank you to all of you who are listening. For Keegan Leahy, Justin Prince, our wonderful producer, Wayne Owens, I am Taylor Burris. Thank you for listening to the iRacers download on the Speed Sports Podcast Network and NASCAR Digital Media.